Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, I'm excited by our conversation today because we're going to talk about an issue that you have with uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence, which I think is kind of interesting. So let's talk about what exactly that issue is. This is really a topic that has really developed from coaching entrepreneurs. It has a lot to do with the happiness or unhappiness of entrepreneurs in the way that they develop their careers and the plans they have and how they follow through on their plans and whether over a very successful career, whether they feel happy with that career or they don't feel happy with that career. It's always striking to me that there's an enormous number of really successful entrepreneurs who, if viewed from the outside, have all the reasons in the world to be happy, but they're not actually happy. So that's one experience. The other experience is that I've been a lifelong historical student of the American Revolution and the impact that the United States has had on the world. And being an American, born American, but having spent roughly about two-thirds of my life outside the United States, it's given me, first of all, a massively greater appreciation for what the United States is. But I begin thinking that there was a kind of flaw in the very founding of the country, which essentially is July 4th, 1776. And it has to do with the very beginning of the central document, the most central document of the American Revolution, which was the Declaration of Independence, which was written by a very brilliant man, total genius, Thomas Jefferson, who's considered one of the four or five greatest founding fathers. His face is on Mount Rushmore, a magnificent monument in Washington, D.C., which I've been to many times. It has to do with the line right at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence that these things were instituted for the purpose of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Looking at these as sort of a checklist, I said, well, life, I mean, I'm totally for life, you know, and there's so much about the American Constitution, which came quite a bit later. The U.S. Constitution was a dozen years later after the Declaration. There's an enormous amount about the way the American system is constructed, which really protects life, and it really guarantees life, and the life of individuals is taken very seriously. And then liberty, not just that you would survive as a person, but you would be guaranteed certain liberties. And the in the Constitution, the first 10 amendments are there to protect individuals from the government. So the Americans really took the whole concept of liberty seriously. You know, they broke off from England for the purpose of liberty. So, you know, the first two checkpoints in the Declaration of Independence, 100% in agreement for, and I think the U.S. has influenced the appreciation and the understanding of life and liberty as a major force over the last 200 years, 250 years. Pursuit of happiness is my bone of contention because I've seen pursuit of happiness in operation in the lives of more than 6,000 entrepreneurs 
And my basic point here is that if you're pursuing happiness, it means you're not happy, that you are forever after something that's going to happen in the future, but right now it's not happening. I think this is a flaw of human psychology. What I've read of Jefferson, and I've read a great deal of Jefferson, I don't come up with the picture of a very happy person, a very brilliant person, but not a happy person. And I think there's indications that at the end of his life, he hadn't achieved the happiness that he was really pursuing. My sense is that this is a flaw of thinking, that you have to pursue happiness, okay? And I have a kind of an interesting way of presenting this to the entrepreneurs in the 10 Times program. And I said, I'd like you to think of a pyramid, okay? And there's a couple ways to think about the pyramid. One of them is in an old psychological model, which is called Maslow's Pyramid. Abraham Maslow was someone, sociologist, psychologist in the 1940s and 50s, and he said there's a general striving in human affairs that has layers of a pyramid at the very bottom as survival and then safety. The first two levels, first of all, people just want to survive. They want to get through the day, and then they want safety, that their lives are not continually threatened on all sides by enemies and disasters that they're safe. If you relate that to the Declaration of Independence, that's life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first two levels. And then you have the next two levels are belonging, that you have the opportunity to belong to a group that's more important to you than any other group, Mm -hmm. and that you feel very committed to that group, and you contribute to that group, and you get the benefits of being a member of the group. And then the next one, higher than that, is achievement, that because of the, first of all, survival and safety, and then being a member of a group. Now you get to achieve in such a way that, one, you're recognized, and number two, you're rewarded. You're rewarded for your achievement, and you get satisfaction out of that. So now we've got four levels of the Maslow's Pyramid, and then he has a top one, which I've never really wrapped my mind around because it's called self-actualization, And it has to do with the fact that there's a 100% you, and you got to your 100% you. But back in the 1940s, it seemed that that was predetermined. And teachers, I remember my teachers starting in 1950, saying, well, you have to fulfill your potential. And it was almost as if they knew what that was. I've always rejected that anyone, first of all, I I don't really understand the idea of potential. I understand reality, but I don't understand potential. And then I totally reject the notion that someone else can know what any individual's capable of ahead of time, or that you shouldn't expect to get too much out of life because you only have this amount of potential, but that person over there has much bigger potential. You know, and I find it kind of a manipulative idea. So I rejected it a long time ago. But what I have noticed that people are capable of continual self-transformation, okay, so that you get to one level and then you reassemble yourself and then you go through another growth burst and you get to the top. Okay, so that's my entire thesis on my take on Maslow's Pyramid. So that's one way of looking at the whole concept of a pyramid. And then the other way is to treat 
that pyramid is all of humanity, which latest figures indicate we're about seven and a half billion people on the planet. Wow. And if you look at human society in terms of where individuals are, they're in very, very unequal kind of relationship to the pyramid. Some of them, a lot of their daily life is just getting enough to eat and surviving to the next day. So they're at the very bottom of the pyramid. And then you have people who live in unsafe areas of the planet for lots of different reasons. And their preoccupation is mostly with safety. And then there's people whose entire life is just about belonging to a particular group. Tribalism is a lot about this. And very intense nationalism or Mm -hmm. your group, you know, your group is good, other groups are not so good and everything else, and their lives are really filled up with this reality. And then there's people who can break through, and it's about their own personal achievement. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the planet, the places, the higher you can get as an individual and also as a group on the pyramid really are the better parts of the world. And we know what those are. And then at the very top, that things are so supporting of you as an individual that your life at a certain point can really be a constantly transforming yourself as an individual, constantly transforming the kind of organization you can belong to, constantly transforming the type of environment that you live in. And there's a great inequality on the planet between someone who's at the very, very top of the pyramid and someone who's at the base. So basically in a workshop, I would explain this you know, people are kind of interested and they're, you know, they're kind of looking at each other and, you know, where is this going? And I said, okay. I said, I'd like to move off to the side and talk about freedom here. So I said, you as an entrepreneur, where you are, and the fact that you qualify for the 10 times program, which requires at least a half a million dollars in personal income, and the fact that you have an entrepreneurial company that can allow you to actually earn half a million dollars in the vast majority of you in the room. That's just the basic qualification. The Most of the rooms are well over a million dollars, which puts them in the top 0.0001 of the human race. And I says, and you've got this money, you've got this enormous amount of money, which allows you to buy time so that you can do just what you love doing and uh, you can live where you want to live and you can live in very, very comfortable, very, very supportive environments. And then you have the freedom to relate to who you want to relate to, who works with you in your company, the type of clients and customers you have, the type of society that you operate in outside of your company, and then your purpose in life. You have this freedom to use your entrepreneurial career to achieve big purposes in your life. And these purposes beyond a certain level of success, have a lot to do with making things better for lots of people in society. So I said, based on your enjoyment of these four freedoms and comparing yourself to others in the global population of 7.5 billion, where on the pyramid do you think you are right now? Now, all of a sudden, you know, it's like the punchline of a long joke Everybody agrees, who are in my client, that they're right at the very, very tip of the pyramid. I said, okay, of all 7.5 billion people, you uniquely in this room, 
and in the 10 times program in Strategic Coach, you are at the very tip of the human pyramid. So let me ask you a question. Where are you trying to get to? (laughs) I said, is there anywhere you can get to from where you already are? And I said, so if happiness isn't where you are, where is happiness? And it has a very catalytic effect in the workshop, and there's a sort of snap. And I said, so you can't really pursue happiness here. You've already done everything that builds towards human happiness. So why don't you, instead of trying to pursue happiness, why don't you just start expanding happiness? Because quite frankly, you have it happier than anyone else on the planet. I mean, from a standpoint of freedom, no one has the amount of freedom that you uniquely have just because you're an entrepreneur, you're a very successful entrepreneur. The constant expanding freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose that you have in your life, you're there. There's this ease. So I said, let's stop pursuing happiness and let's just start expanding happiness with everyone that you can affect in your life. And let's just make the lives of everyone we know happier. You know, it can't be proved. But I said, if Jefferson in 1776 said, just exchange words, and he, instead of pursuit of happiness, we talked about the expansion of happiness. Maybe the whole history of the U.S. and the world would be a different place, but I think it would be a better place. And so that's my thesis of dispute with Thomas Jefferson. Well, I love how you've just taken on not only Jefferson, but also Maslow's hierarchy of needs, (laughs) which is really fun. And actually every other philosophy, I mean, almost every other philosophy, because it's always about something that we're lacking in or something that's scarce, and we have to go out and achieve something. And I said, maybe the achievement's already inside, and you should just take the achievement and expand the achievement outwards. I love the mind flip (laughs) that you've just illustrated. And I actually think that if entrepreneurs and other Americans, but also Canadians too, could do that, we would actually be much more relatable to certain other people in the world because they look at this incredible success and yet they also see people not being happy. It's like, what is wrong with these people? Especially people in the news media, people in the academic world, Mm -hmm. people in Hollywood. It's that... The payoff is always in the future. It's never in the present. And I says, what What if you have a sufficient amount of happiness that's permanently expandable? So, Dan, what are a couple of things that people can do or what are some habits that you have that really have you focus on what you're already happy about and how you can expand that? How can people take this into their daily lives? Well, I think, first of all, you have to do a bit of a audit, you know, and you can start with birth then move right up until your present age and simply come up with a list that you can continually add to of things that you're really grateful for. I think gratitude is really the mechanism for creating a sense of internal happiness, that great things have been provided to you. You've taken advantage of what was provided to you and you've created better things as a result of this. And more and more, I think you should inform yourself and educate yourself on just how good you have it. Gratitude is one thing, and eliminate complaint. When you see the constantly increasing list 
of gratitude, more and more it becomes sort of petty to be complaining about anything. That will change you, and the change will be noticed. First of all, that you will become grateful for the people who are in your life, and you will point out things that you're grateful for, and that has a transformative effect on other people. And that relates up to the present, and then in the future, be generous with your happiness. In other words, make your happiness available to other people. And that's done on a daily basis, just how you communicate with people, how you think about people, how you cooperate with people. Your sense of happiness will actually expand. So, you know, I'm sitting here at 73, enormously grateful for the life that I've been able to enjoy. There's two parts to it. I've been given things, but I've taken advantage of the things that I've been given. And, you know, there's two parts to it. So certainly in the modern world where most of our entrepreneurs operate, there's very, very little basis for complaint. Very true. And I, the more I can do this, the more I am more pleasant to be around <laughs> and the greater contribution I make. So that's great coaching. And I love the line, be generous with your own happiness. That's a, that's a lovely way to put that. And the other thing that strikes me, I think some people get concerned that if they stop and, first of all, they think they're stopping and not pursuing happiness, that they get off that train that they're going to stop striving. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is true. Expansion is actually a very compelling activity. It calls forth all your best talents, all your best intentionality, being purposeful, being really clear. It is as much an active way of being as is pursuing, but it's starting from a very different place. And so I think that's a very engaging thought for entrepreneurs who get concerned that they're just going to like rest on their laurels when that's very far from the truth. Well, you know, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation, but I see the difference between pursuing and expanding as the difference between linear and exponential. That linear is kind of like there's me and I'm after something and there's a straight line and you've got blinders on to everything taking place from you because, first of all, you're kind of dissatisfied that you don't have yet what you want and uh, there's a tendency to blame other people and complain about the lack you know, of other people doing what they should be doing to contribute to your happiness. But it's the linear way that you've set up your life which prevents your appreciation of everything you have going for you. But the expansion of happiness is a 360 degree. It's more than 360 degree. It's not a circle, it's a sphere, and it goes out in all directions. And the other thing is that it's an activity that comes right from the inside. So you don't have to worry how your happiness lands. It'll land good, or you won't do any harm this way. Nobody got into trouble by expanding their happiness. People have gotten into enormous trouble by pursuing their happiness. <laughs> well said, Dan. Yeah. We were told a story just before we came in about someone who had been arrested and sent to prison, and he made a legal case against the arresting officer that he had arrested him on his way to purchase marijuana, and he feels that his rights as an American had been interfered with because he was pursuing happiness, <laughs> and he was interfered with, and therefore he had a legitimate case. And I said, you know, 
I think he's got a real case there. I would, I would sort of support that. But he wasn't expanding his happiness. He was pursuing his happiness. I love it. It's just a little distinction, but words mean things. And one word describes one kind of attempt at reality, and the other one, I think, actually communicates an actual reality. I think one of them is a possible reality, but the expansion of happiness is utilization of something that's already real. If I have a choice between a powerful reality and a powerful possibility, I'll always opt for the powerful reality. Well, Dan, just to wrap this up, thank you. I'm very grateful because I feel like every time we talk, my brain's going to go in a different direction than I thought it might have. (laughs) And the whole idea of expansion of happiness and having that be what we're striving for is very grounding. It's very validating of what people have already created, and it's just creating more of that in the world. So I like that sentiment, and I think it's perfectly appropriate. (laughs) So I appreciate that. So thank you, Dan. I just really appreciate this conversation. If you're interested in these and other great ideas, please make sure to check out strategicpodcast.com. And as always, subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening. 